Coming from Buffalo Testing. Central. He is the Coming from. We're coming from the Craig Boddington endorsed outfitter program at Elin Safaris. Everybody, get your buffalo on. Is that what they call it? Uh oh. Jeez, he's throwing his mic on the floor already. I think he's supposed to be on there. Yeah. That's just so, you know, when we knock it off that you go, you know. Okay. Well, when I started back here about 10 years ago, I was about 120 pounds. (laughs) I'm up to about 300 now. (laughs) If it flies, it dies. If it crawls, it falls. If it's brown, it's down. Whack them and stack Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. All right. Oh, we're we're sitting here Gentlemen. at Elan Safaris in the Limpopo region, kicking back, relaxing after a awesome lunch. Man, I'm. Has telling there been you. any food yet that has not been phenomenal here? Well, I can almost guarantee that I've gained about five pounds. Well, okay. There's I, nothing wrong with gaining a little weight. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to not gain weight. Imagine gain working weight. here and eating like this all the time. Yeah. How's that work out for you? Well, when I started back here about 10 years ago, I was about 120 pounds. <laughs> I'm up to about 300 now. <laughs> so without much further ado, um, we're bringing in Petrie, who is one of Alex's PHs here at Elon Safaris. I've been oh, come fortunate on, come to... come on. He's the number one PH he here. Is we already the know PH, that. PH, I should say that, because I've been spending the whole last five or six days with him in a blind, and uh, it's been... It's been fun. It's been very enjoyable. I wonder why enjoyable. you both had smiles on your face most of the time. I mean, geez, oh, criminy. Well, we've been why whacking. is that? You're smirking right now. There is a story no. that just popped into your we've head. We've been whacking and stacking. <laughs> yeah. As Petrie would say. So what story popped into your head right when I said you're smirking? No, hunting is fun. You should well, enjoy no, it. There's that, no doubt about so that. So you should have a smile in your face. Wow. Well, you guys had a fun morning, I understand. Yeah, we did. You uh, went to the infamous, unbelievable morning. infamous baboon blind with the nice, big, huge shooting hole. So no. I know I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. The four inch by four inch slit, <laughs> just about. It was seven and a half long by the four inch. But we were driving up, and I was looking at the blind, thinking, That's "Okay, small. where do I shoot?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. How come? How come the tomatoes are on the right side and the left side? Yeah. How am I going to shoot through the? Little slit. No, it was a really eventful morning. We we got there and we we got set up and and uh, set out a couple cameras and probably within 25, 20, 30 minutes yeah, we minutes. had 
we could hear them. We could start oh, hearing them. Really? You That's know, kind awesome. Of chattering. And then the female came in and, and she was very skittish. As Petrie said, she's lost a few boyfriends, I think, at the, uh, at the, at the tomato pit. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, when, when mine happened yesterday, um, they all ran behind us. And then I heard the, the secondary male doing the, oh, 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 oh. and I looked over at Alex and I said, He's doing the happy dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the, the real boss happy man. dance. Because the boss man be dead, and now it's time for number two yeah. to take its place. So, so anyway. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we basically, with it, about 25, 30 minutes, a female came in, and then, um, you know, we continued to hear kind of some chatter. And then uh, as I had sat down, I had readjusted my camera, and then I saw another one silhouette towards the back. And, and uh, Peter immediately goes, if you get a shot on him, you shoot him. Um, so he basically went to the first pile of tomatoes, grabbed a couple. She came in, wedged out, and then he basically walked around and came within, I figure, 15, 20 yards uh, probably. 20 yards. 20 yards. And Petrie was sitting there, and, and um, I was in the back. I had, a, I had my um, little balaclava on, and I drew back, and I was down when I drew. And I drew back and I stood up and I just set my pin right on the right edge of that slit and I couldn't see him. And I turned around, I went down and I looked and I saw on Petrie had his his video camera, camera open going. so I could see what he was doing on that. And when I saw him take a few more steps, I popped back up and that's when I saw him come in. So I took one step up and my my stabilizer was probably what that close from the from the actual oh. blind. And uh, he gave me a front front shoulder shot and um, just pinwheeled him and the only thing I remember is after I shot I remember seeing he must have spun because I saw the arrow hanging out yeah. and what I thought was is the arrow went hit shoulder and stopped and I'm thinking no. how does that happen how does that, that happen that right small and, yeah, yeah exactly so when he ran away he ended up throwing the arrow and yeah. um, he ran off and of course you saw the dust flying and then all of a sudden he just dirt napped it hard right into yards, the tree made a tumble somersault Backflip all in one. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we're talking about tomatoes and stuff, tell us a little bit. I mean, the rancher seems to absolutely hate the baboons. Why? Why is that? Because they're in Houston, so they they go. They have to the all the farmers here must at least on each farm on each field of tomatoes, pumpkins, watermelons, whatever they've got on the field, have one guy. Looking after that field. So that it's like one guy, that's, that's his whole job. Yeah, that's his only job. He walks around those fields 24-7. One, normally there's two, one in daytime, one at nighttime. Because in daytime, it's baboons and monkeys you have to keep out. And at nighttime, then it's normally bush pigs. Um, Warthogs. Warthogs. Not that much. Uh, porcupines a lot. They're oh. the most devastating. Porcupines, then, yeah. really, are the... Because they go, they take like a butternut squash, they'll take one bite, walk to the next one, one bite. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So they a nuisance. So for the ranchers, I mean. Yeah. They're like, get rid of them, please. Yeah. Wow. Baboons as well, but baboons is a big problem. Even on the tobacco, they'll, they'll go and they'll, they grow tip right on top. They break that off and they eat it and then the plant dies. So basically it ruins that whole plant yeah. if they get a hold of it. And. Man, you know, you guys were talking, you only had a couple that were working in that area when, literally, when I looked up the first time, 
there was 30 of them that oh, literally yeah. bum rushed. How long did thing. it take for you guys? I mean, you guys sat in the blind. I mean, kind of maybe talk about your story a little bit. Well, really, it was pretty fast, too. We got there, and we got, I mean, we pulled in, and what was funny is um, the day before when we had been there, as we pulled up, there was warthogs and, and other animals on it. When we pulled up this time, there was like nothing. It was desolate, and I started thinking, man, you know, we kind of botched it the day before, and maybe there wouldn't be anything showing up. And then we got in the blind, and I remember grabbing my book because, you know, a lot of times you got a long sit in the blind, so I took a book with me. Yeah. I only got like a page and a half into my book, and Alex it's, goes, Papoon. I mean, so I think a total, including the shot, we were in the blind less than 30, yeah. 30 35 yeah, that's minutes. That's pretty consistent. Yeah, because like I said, you said in the mornings, that's the only thing that comes around there. Because in the afternoons, I know the kudus and steenbuck dike are late the afternoon. Okay. They'll go in there. Gotcha. Well, and like I said, afterwards, it was just it was, it was was just pretty phenomenal for me. I mean, we literally, I, I've been trying to kill one for a while, and I know a lot of people are like, I don't understand how you haven't killed one. But, you know, I mean, they're, to me, they're such a smart animal that yeah. they don't normally get taken advantage of like that. And when the whole tribe comes in and there's 30 of them, All in, those eyes you there. could see them just devouring stuff. And I was thinking, man, you get a troop like that of 30 baboons that run into one of those fields. fields of tobacco or tomatoes or pumpkins yeah. or whatever. And, I mean, they they're running damage. big, huge center yeah. pivots. That's what I found pretty cool. It, and so they'll plant a huge center pivot and if they could run in there and hit a row, man, they could they could demolish a whole row. Easily. They'll take 20 yards by 20 yards in about five minutes. Wow. Just I mean, go in there, grab handful, run out of the field again. And if you're if you're looking at from a farmer's standpoint of maybe that's a, let's say a, a hundred acre plot that they're running there for everybody to understand, and they could run in and, and basically eat like two or three acres, well, yep. guess what? That's 2% of your crop in that's one day. gone yeah. in yeah. one, one little time, right? I mean, they deal. run in, eat everything, and boom, they're out of there if the guy that's watching the place is on the other side yep. and he's trying to chase that's them off. That's what happens. Yeah. So, so baboon, like Petrie, what, what does someone look for when they're trying to harvest a baboon? I mean, when one came in, I, I couldn't tell the difference of a male or female. And, of course, females can't be hunted. But what's kind of what, what do you look for in a male baboon? No, in just the, the body size, more, mostly. That it's a mature one, and then if you shoot one, you hope he's got his top and bottom, both canines also all day. I've shot about 50 in my life. I've only shot one. That's that perfect teeth, and that's the one here on top. Well, wow. I'll normally they break off a, the fighting or biting stuff. They always break at least one or two of the canines. Well, and, and I can attest that. I mean, do you see the teeth on those things? Yeah. I mean, what... How, I mean, they're two, three pull, inches. Yeah, if you pull them out, they're about three inches from inside. Inside of the, their gum. And then outside at least That's two inches. Nuts. Wow. I mean, you look at, I mean, we're looking at a, a lion skull and a hyena skull right now. And, and a lot of those, while they're bigger in like, circumference, they're they're not that not long. even that, I yeah. mean, I, th- I look at those baboons and think, man, that sucker gets a hold of Something, yeah. it's in deep trouble. Yeah, no, no they killed. They even at, in certain places in Africa, a couple of years back, they actually went into an informal settlement and grabbed a, a baby. Really? They were sitting outside in the sun, and the mom was busy washing their clothes and stuff. Ran up and grabbed it and ran off with it, but luckily didn't 
kill it and stuff. Wow, wow. that's nice. Yeah. That's incredible. So they they get very used to to people actually. Really. So they they and then they get dangerous because they notice you can throw them with a rock. They're not gonna run away. Wow. Then they get dangerous. And they're smart too. Yep. And they're smart. I was just like that female. She'd come running in. She'd grab a couple of tomatoes and then she'd get off to the left hand side. And she'd eat them, come back in. So she, she was very skittish of just standing there and 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 eating on the tomato pile there. Well, so like I said, the group that there, we had, that. I think, I think the big male that we had really felt comfortable. And there was a sub male that was in the group too. Which, when the big male left, I was thinking, shoot the shoot number two is what I was thinking because I didn't want to pass up on the opportunity. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, the big male came back in. But it's also interesting. So I harvested the, the biggest male out of the troop. My assumption is that the second male now will basically be the lead male for that troop. Uh, no, what they do, there's actually a lot of um, disorganization inside of a group then they say you actually mustn't always shoot a big one because about now nowadays 10 sub adult males okay because in the if there's a leading male there he does all the breeding and all that oh really but so now, the ones... now he's dead now 10 of the sub males they all started breeding till one gets dominant again so they actually reproduce much faster oh, once okay. you take out the, the big alpha male to tell to say that Wow, so then that's crazy. A, it's like a free for all. Then, but you kind of think about like a herd elk. I mean, you got your herd bull that's going to breed twenty cows, and those satellites are going to get their butts kicked, right? Yeah. Unless, yeah. Now they you might kill find the, one. They the might lead, find the herd bull. Now four, five of that satellite bulls moving quickly. Everybody tries to breed till somebody comes and kick him out again. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the same. Same concept. Interesting. So yeah. I didn't think about that. Huh. Well, cool. That's okay. I still shot the one that I was going to yeah. shoot. I was we happy. All, uh, I, the biggest one you see in the group, you yeah. shoot them. I didn't even know what to do. I was the one advice I got. You know, listen to your pH. And Petrie said, if you get a shot on that one, you need to take it. So yeah. he he gave me the doorway. So Petrie, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, you've been at Elon Safaris now. What ten years? You said yeah, February next year. It will be ten years. So that's uh, obviously you. Spent a lot of time here. You've seen a lot of hunters and clients come through. But I don't know. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, from maybe in the day, younger days when you started hunting, and you know, kind of to where you're at right now with Elon Safaris. Yeah, I started hunting when I was nine years old with my dad going along, tagging along. I was about fourteen. I started to go with one of my friends. That's where my love really grew for hunting. Down uh, in Cape Kimberley area of South Africa, Northern Cape. Uh, that's where we started off. They also had a hunting outfit, hunting with uh, overseas clients. And that's where I had interaction with them and see how they do around their business and stuff. Um, in South Africa, um, you have to be 21 to become a professional hunter. So when I was 18, I left school. Uh, we finished school. I went to England and played rugby there for a couple of years. And then I came back and I did my professional hunters course, which is normally a, a nature conservation, our fishing game. Oh, your fishing game, we call it nature conservation. Mm-hmm. You uh, have a written exam, and then you've got a practical exam, tracking, skinning, shooting. Okay. And uh, then so you do that. What's the time frame to be like become a PH or a professional that, that hunter? The is final it? course is a 10-day. Um, there's like a professional hunting school in South Africa. It's a, The final course is a 10-day course from wow. 6 in the morning till 6 at night. But you're not going to pass that in 10 days if you don't have hunted for at least 
let's make it 10 years. Sure. You know, there's too much information and knowledge and experience you have to have to go and do that. You're not going to, okay, I'm going to begin uh, become a professional hunter, go. Sure. It right. doesn't happen overnight. No, no. it takes time. Yeah. What they now want to do, they want to make a two-year apprenticeship. Like in, in all the other countries in Africa, they actually do that. So you first go and learn from somebody else. We've now you go experience. and learn before you take the test? No, no, you can, you can do the test and okay. then after that. Because you get two kinds of professional hunters in South Africa. They call it one with a, a restricted license and one with an open, open license or a big five license. Okay. As soon as you get your course, then you will all, oh, that makes you a um, restricted PH. That means you can only hunt planes game. You can okay. assist on a um, big five. But there must be a, a, a regular, a, a regular uh, open pH with you. That's that experience. To become an unrestricted or a big five pH, you must do 60 days or at least three of the big five, whichever comes first. Now, wow. when you say three of the big five, they have yeah. to be different or can it be... No, it can be three. Yeah, like three buffalo hunts? No, no, sorry. Three different species. So you'd have to go a buffalo, elephant, buffalo, elephant. Yeah. lion, leopard. Now, okay, leopard hunting in South Africa is closed down at the moment, oh, yeah. so that ain't going to happen. Rhinos is a no-go. Yeah. So you've basically left with, with buffalo. In South Africa, that's the main big five that get hunted nowadays. Yeah. And tell us about your passion for buffalo hunting. I know you and I have had quite a few conversations about it. I was asking you a lot of questions because it was on my list of things to do, but will definitely be something I come back to. But that's really where your passion lies, yes. right, is buffalo hunting? I think it's just the whole vibe around buffaloes. They're dangerous, exciting to hunt. You get normally get close to them. When uh, you say normally get close to them, what's what's your definition? Because we're sitting sometimes at 20 yards on animals. And, and for us in the States, especially with the technology, um, with a gun, of course, yeah. we shoot things at 1,000 yards. Oh. But with a bow, you know, we're proficient usually out to 50 to 70 yards. Yet when we're here... Everybody's like, no, no, 20, 30 yards, that's, that's kind of the, the number. The golden number, yeah. The golden number, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, what do you mean when, you, when you're talking rifle, about buffalo hunting? Rifle, okay, let's do a rifle hunting. I'll say close is 60 to, to 100 yards. I don't think there's any 120 yards. I can't see any reason to shoot a buffalo. Okay. You, you'll be able to get a so few let, in, let's say Let's use a round number of 100 yards is that 60 yards is kind of the the break even yeah, spot. Yeah. Bow, then you need to go. I won't let a guy shoot at a buffalo fit in 35. Okay. So anything so from 20, 20 to 35 yards. So getting next to a dangerous animal yeah. up close can definitely. Okay, so yeah. what, what caliber of a gun do you carry as a backup? I carry a 416 Remington Mag. 416 Remington yeah. Mag. That's a good gun. Wow. So like in a buffalo, like a, a bow hunting standpoint, uh, are you hunting them in the morning, in the evening, during the day? Like, what's the best time? Tracking, yeah. sitting yeah. in a water hole. What are we doing? These two, you can, you can sit in a pit blind like we've been doing now the last uh, the last week about. And you can shoot them out of the blind. Or you can walk and stalk, spot, spot and stalk, yeah. walk and stalk them. Once you see them early morning, and then here, early normally they walk back and forth to water. They will drink, if possible, they'll drink twice a day. So they, they're not too far from water normally. Mm-hmm. They, in the heat of the day, they bed down. So you can sneak into them then and wait till he stands up. You can't. I won't recommend a client shooting a 
Buffalo when you're sleeping there. Yeah. No, because yeah. the vitals and stuff is all in the wrong low. place. Yeah, we same. don't. Okay, and we then don't do the late same. afternoon again when they start grazing around, that's a good. And time of year is it better? Like when it's hot, because you know they're going to go to water, or is there a better time of yeah, year? Yeah, if you want to spawn a stoke, I'll say maybe a bit earlier in the year, where there's still some cover. If it's like now, it's this, the grass is just about gone, and the trees, all the leaves is on the ground, so you noise factor. And visibly, even if you've got the best camo that you can afford, it's not easy yeah. to um, So to when get you say close. earlier in the year, are you talking April, yeah, May? Yeah, May, April, May, end of April, May, June. That okay. will be a good time to do stuff Mental like note. that. Mental note, mental yeah. note. That will be a, a good time, I'll say. How many <laughs> buffalo hunts have you been a part of or have PH'd on or just have actually been a part of actually them? I them think falling? that I've been with and assisted, I think, 27 now. Any close encounters? Any close calls? Yes, we've, I had one. <laughs> okay. I had one that I, when it was all said and done, it was about three, three feet in front of us. Three feet. Wow. Not, yes. not three yards, no, three feet. three feet. When I stepped, I gave a step forward and I stepped on his nose. Okay, wow. so and was that a was that an archery hunter that had shot it or a, or a rifle hunter? No, it was a rifle hunter. To tell you the story, um, the guy had he had ghost rings on his uh, peep sights, yeah, okay. on front yeah. and back, on his on a four fifty eight. So the problem is that when we talk, I asked him what's going to happen. He said, "Okay, now we must get within fifty yards." So it was just about like a bow hunt, you can say. He yeah. wanted to get it because he wanted, he wanted to make to be sure close. Yeah. Uh, to shoot it. Because he said he's not gonna, he doesn't want to shoot further than 50 yards. Or I said, the only problem I saw beforehand is the peep sights on a black-bodied um, animal. That's tough to line up. I'm like, in, are you going to be a, know exactly where you are? He said, no, don't worry. I've shot between four and 500 rounds with this rifle before I go, came to Africa. So I, he was happy with that. I said, no, that's fine. So we went up to a condition there close to Kruger National Park or next to Kruger National Park. We found the buffaloes and they were on their way to drink water. And there was two game trails they were normally using the local tracker they told me. One was at 17 yards and the other um, footpath was at game trail was at 44 yards. Hmm. So and basically it, all inside the 50 yeah. yards threshold. You and didn't he, know it's yeah. going to be close. No, the tracker, the, the tracker is like, you know, no, it's, they always use the 44 yards. Don't worry. They always, always use that. <laughs> Long story short, yeah. It came out at 17, 17 yards. So, and what happened? There were seven bulls. One was a, a world, world-class bull. But uh, they all stepped out. He was number two. And the front one stepped out. And, and I was standing behind a clan and I told him the second one. And as soon as I stepped next to him, the one in front, that was, that's the one we shot, but it was a still exceptionally nice bull. And he turned and he looked at us and I told him, take him, he's going to charge. Because he was already turning, quartering towards us. He shot him perfectly, top of the heart, double lung, but it, and, he, and he charged immediately. So he was basically yeah. at 17 yards. And your, he guy, wow. your hunter uh, made a great shot, and he, yeah. but he was... He oh. just knew where we were, and he charged. I've got chills. <laughs> at 14 yards, there was, a, there was a little stump, and he stumbled, and I tried to brain him. And he stumbled, and I went a little bit low as his head bobbed up, and I stunned him. He was just standing there. And the client shot him again. The bullet was oh, an inch and a half apart. Perfect shots. And he reloaded, and he... Came, came, still charged, and he came up, and I seen the client was standing 
right next to me. And as soon as he put his head down to um, hook me, because I was the closest to him, the client shot him through the horn and just here through the neck, just grazed him. And I, as soon as his head was down, I just shot him over his bosses where his neck joined his... Um, Shoulder blade, yeah. and I because you've got a beak. If you hit any of that bone there, yeah, you'll go it. down. And I shot him, and the client shot him again. Third shot again <sighs> where the first two was, and he was done for. But we just, uh, I was just standing like so basically you, shot him five did. times. Yes, two from you and three from your yes. hunter. And then, and they were all good shots. All I mean, them. if you'd had forty if yards, it, he probably he would have died. Geez. Yeah. No. Wow. So I, and it was, like I said, one of my bullets is actually was my empty case laid on the ground and the blood running out of his nose just went around it. Went around it. That, and I, when I stepped, I stepped onto his nose. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I've heard lots of stories like that. And then, then of course, I hear the guys, just, oh, yeah, I went to Africa and went out there and things stepped out at... 75 yards, I shot it, it fell down, it was dead, it was over. And I'm like, well, that was exciting, wasn't it? He goes, mm, no, it's pretty anticlimactic. Yeah. You know, I'd heard yep. all these stories. Yep. and then all That's but, a big thing, yeah. But once I mean, again, you get on 27 hunts, and now you've had one that basically, if you guys wouldn't have done your job efficiently, could have ripped your leg open, you could have been in the hospital yep. for the next, you know, six months trying to recover from and i guess that's kind of the mystique of buffalo hunting you never too know what's gonna happen. is you never yeah. know what's going to happen but that is actually a professional hunter killed a couple of months back by a buffalo heard that they shot a buffalo and was busy hacking a road to recover it and another buffalo from somewhere came got him in this main artery in yeah you, bled you know and he bled out Ugh. Ugh, that'd suck. Well, they say, I mean, the buffalo between goring and trampling is one of the, you know, highest rates of, of injury or fatality or death yeah. in, in American hunters coming over. So Yeah. Well, we've heard lots of stories, and there's been some pretty famous hunters that have come over here, and, and you know, one guy's wife got, you know, basically trampled over and took her three or four years to recover from it. And, I mean, there's a lot of people that have had experiences yeah. like that so yeah but it's not like everybody the, the problem is the whole story about buffalo charge of everybody expect expects it and it's like you said it's like an anticlimax when if it doesn't happen you get him at 75 yards top of shoot him the top of the hard double long shot it runs 25 yards death bellows over. and it's over and then everybody's like, no, but where's my charts? Where's that? Where's that? We heard this thing chasing him down with 12 shots in it for three days. I said, oh, no, not if you shoot it perfectly the first shot. Sure. Yeah. Craig Boddington actually has a good, a good saying in one, one of his DDs. He said something like, somebody asked him about shot placement on Buffalo, and he said, if the show, first shot doesn't make an impression... The next 12 ain't going to make a difference. And he shot close to 100 buffalo, so I think sure. he, we know what he's on about. Duplicates don't count. Yeah. Exactly. If anyone yeah. that would give some good, solid advice, it would be Craig. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds exciting. Well, I can't wait. Yeah, Jason and I, are. that's going to be on our bucket list at some point. Yeah. We want to do it together. So it's on the list. It'll be exciting. On the list, on the list. The problem is the list is still, still getting... It seems get, it, it. You know, it's funny. It's like... The list even got longer today for me. I mean, holy crap. Yeah. I was not expecting to shoot a golden wildebeest. Hey, and beautiful animal. All of a sudden, mm. next thing I know, it's like tap, tap, tap. Hey, you want to shoot a golden wildebeest? I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
Haven't you know? shot one of those. <laughs> Haven't shot one of those. You know, yeah. I, and here I had his list, right? Well, that wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the list. Now I got a new thing that I have to write at the bottom of the list and then cross it off because it's already been accomplished. No, so, it was on the list. It just said ask for price. So yeah. it wasn't on that main list. So. Wasn't on, <laughs> it's yeah. one of those. Add-ons. Well, yeah, add-ons. Well, I think there's been a few of those in our hunting group. We've actually had a phenomenal hunting group this time. Yeah, it's been time. great. I mean, we've had some fun sitting around drinking and, and talking and laughing and you hitting people with mallets and stuff like that. <laughs> Misty's nose by a good inch. <laughs> Doing the hopscotch and a dance. Mm. You guys are going to have to come to Elon Safaris to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But but at the same time, really, our 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 hunters have just been out, and we we started the funny running joke of cowboys versus Indians, and cowboys kind of took a pretty demanding lead to start off with, and Indians kind of bobbled a little bit, but then the Indians took on a pretty good run there for you a couple of days. Actually, figured out where yeah. to hit these animals because we were. <laughs> trying to desensitize ourselves from all our north american animals but our north american habits now we yeah. have to go back to it here yeah, in a couple exactly. of days exactly and uh, then all of a sudden now it's like everybody's in the zone and you can see it's like man it's been it's been a hell of a fun run yeah so. the salt room is going to look pretty impressive i think oh, by the yeah. time we get out of here trophy pictures is going to be good on monday morning I think. yeah yeah no, well, it's been a lot of fun. And we still we still got this afternoon and and tomorrow. You're gonna you're gonna go out and do a do a night hunt tonight, yep. which I think I'm gonna come along because I just I freaking love that. That's love it's such a there. different experience, you know. And it's it's so neat seeing stuff, and it's it's really hard to explain until you go and do it. And people on the podcast from America are my, you know, oh my God, you guys are going spotlighting. Well, guess what? That is part of African culture. Right. Mm. I mean, when they want to manage animals and they're looking at trying to get stuff out of the farmer's fields, you know, those farmers are going to do one of two things. They're going to either poison them or they're going to have somebody get rid of them. And so we're actually doing a service to the rancher to help them out while having a fun experience. And it's perfectly legal to, to, to go out and do it. Yeah. So it's it's a kick. It's yeah. different, you know. Life is about experiences, and this is one of them. Well, all Africa cool. is different. Africa's not everything I envisioned it to be, but it's so much more than what I thought it would be. You know, just being here on my first trip, and um, I've been fortunate to spend the last week with Petrie, and and uh, we've said a few words, and we haven't said a few words because part oh of this God. thing no, is. Oh my God! that's <laughs> it. Oh, oh I, being, I have to tell everybody. These guys have been like. He's hilarious as soon as he's out of the blind, and then he's and then I look over at Lucas, and Lucas says he doesn't say three words when we're in the blind. He's quiet, but, but one thing he says is business. Talking and yeah, and you got doesn't you have, mix. You have to you have to separate the two, and I I really respect that of him because um, I think to give your hunter the best you know possible opportunity, you can't mm. be in there rattling your chair and you know Jetting playing on your phone with your with your sound on and all that kind of stuff. I totally get it, so I I really appreciate his patience that he's I don't know that's me. not what it sounded like the first three days I'm just I'm just being <laughs> well, real we were honest. heckling each other at first and <laughs> it just gold we were just kind of setting the tone a little bit but it's been fun it's been uh it's been much more of a experience than I'd ever thought I would ever ever dream of so if they want to get a hold of Elon Safaris and they're thinking about doing a hunt how do they get a hold of you guys uh we've got a website Elon Safaris or you can email um Alex Thompson, the owner, at info at elansafaris.co.za 
or they can contact the NRA and get a hand there. <laughs> there you go. If they want That's to. That's plug. There's plenty of, of, of uh, hands going on auction there normally at the dinners and stuff. So. Yeah, and you guys have, have social media. You've got... Oh, Facebook, uh, sorry. Yeah. Even Safari's um, Facebook. Yeah, there's another good place us to up. Contact check details is on there. Yeah. yeah, and Lucas, through RNA, you're going to have their information up on your, your yeah. site also. Absolutely. So. We actually just released episode 55, which was of Alex. When Alex came out in January, you and I sat down with him. And, that was and, fun. And, and shoot the breeze for about an hour, hour and a half. And uh, so we released that one. And, and Alex and Johnny were on the year previous to that. So they're, they're friends of the podcast, but on before. So, yeah, there's a lot of different outlets and opportunities to get a hold of, of Elon Safaris. But they've definitely been a great part. I know with the NRA and uh, they've made I look a lot of money to, for the NRA. Yeah, I look forward to many more years of working with Petrie and Alex and Johnny and helping them out to, to make this, you know, an exceptional place, which it is. In fact, I think the last time I, I counted, and this was a couple of years ago, we were we were at over four hundred hunters that we had sent to you guys. Yeah, that's that's, that's just that's insane. Yeah. Right. Four hundred hunters have come over here and just had a great time and and some of them come back year and year again. Yeah. I mean you you've had clients that, that have been here two and three times. Four, four times now. Yeah. Some of so them. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's really word of mouth, right? Yes. It's you go to a dinner, you buy it, you buy the hunt, and then someone else is interested in it, and you tell them, you say, you're going to have the best time of your life, right? The hunting sucks, but the food's the great, food's right? <laughs> well, and and yeah, the hunting sucks, but the food's good. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because I didn't know Derek, right? He's yeah. in our hunting group here. Him and his wife, Meredith, great people. I'm really enjoying them. Yeah. I didn't know them from Adam, and I just knew of them. And then when you called up and said, hey, you know, we got a cancellation, and so we started looking for a couple of people and you sent out a note and Derek's like I'm in and you called me and said man I can't believe it Derek said he got and they got plane tickets already they're ready to go we'll come to find out Derek's dad I had talked him into going on an, on a trip here couple just of years a couple back. of years yeah. back yeah, John and so it was one of those silly things yeah that he didn't get to go on that trip and then when the opportunity came up he was like man I'm All in. over it yeah I'm in I'm in I'm in yeah no, so, he was all over that. So, yeah, it's too. No, it's too been cool. a great group. It's been a lot of fun, and we still got a day and a half left. So, yeah, exactly. still a lot of fun to have. Ain't had. over yet. It ain't <laughs> over yet. I like yeah. the way that sounds. It ain't over yet. Yeah, the salt room still has a little bit more room, I think, <laughs> left in it. So, a little bit, a little bit. Anyway, well, Petrie, like I said, it, thanks for coming on. It, it's been great getting to know you. Um, it's been great being here. Um, I just again appreciate everything you've you've done and helped for me on this trip, and it's really made my experience what it is. So, thank you. Pleasure, sir. Yeah, rock and roll, baby. Let's have some more fun. We'll go we get, got a couple go more Wyatt, days of podcast. Go get Wyatt a nice water buck maybe today, and then I'm go telling see you, if that, we can't hammer that some. water buck has been goofy. I I thought, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk, and now day and oh. a half later, it's the slam dunk has not. They know when you're on the list. They know. We had one opportunity today, and literally he came in. It was like Uh he came in just like that, and before we knew it, it was like we were trying to get all of our stuff together, and he turned around and just walked straight away from us right when we got everything set up. I'm like... Okay, turn that video recording on. Crossbow in it then? You're right. Why it's going to crossbow it? Yeah. Okay. He's digging on that crossbow thing. I'm probably totally hosed on that. You just need to like like, break his kneecap or something so he can be handicapped. Then he can actually use one. Well, he's. That's the problem. After I shot my golden wildebeest, he picked up my bow and he's like, he was trying to pull it and he couldn't pull it. And then 
after we got done with the photo, I look over and he's in, standing in the back of the truck and he's got my release on oh. and he's got it hooked onto the string Ooh. and he's like, he's like, trying to pull it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, please. Whoa, you know, I started kind of hollering at him a little bit and he looked over at me like, uh oh, got busted. I'm like, look, if you want to do that, let's go to the range. We'll put an arrow on there. That way, if you. Let it go. One, yeah. It will go somewhere. It, it won't yeah. destroy the bow. But yeah. So he's he's he wants to see Meredith's bow. So it's, he can probably yeah. pull that one back yeah. too. 40, uh, 42, 43 pounds. So I'm in. I'm hosed. Oh, you're in trouble. I'm hosed. Mm. Yeah. Boys and toys. Boys and toys. More yeah. is always better. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Signing well, off from the Limpopo well, region here yep. at Elan Safaris. You find them at www.elansafaris.co.com. Is that Z A? Yeah. Dot Z A. Z A. Awesome. Cha ching. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> Till the Later. next round. All right. Bye. Ciao. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts, and know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer. <laughs>